Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now last week, we started with a series called Designed For. And it was the, the first, ser- first sermon um, of a, a, a series of a couple of sermons we're going to do, speaking about you designed for something amazing. Now this morning, I want to continue with the series. And last week, I spoke about designed for His glory. Designed for His glory. It was the second part of our prophetic sermon series. Now, we need to understand that we were created with a DNA to live in God's presence. We know that. I spoke about it last week. There is a DNA in us that God created us for God's presence, for His presence. To, that's why Adam and Eve, they were in glorified bodies to connect with God's presence constantly. Walk with God in the garden constantly. And when sin came, the glory was gone, and that's why they saw they were naked. Now, if you look at the definition of design, it's quite interesting. It says, it is a plan or drawing produced to show the look and the function of the workings of. It's quite amazing. Do you know that God has planned you and He has drawn us up? There was some planning into creation of of human beings. Why? To show and to look. Show the look and the function and the workings of heaven. I love that. You see, we need to realize that God has planned us and created us to show the look and the function of heaven. That's why when Jesus taught the disciples to to pray, he said, may heaven comes to earth. May we live heaven on earth already. That's why we need, there's no sick people in in heaven. There's no depressed people in heaven. And that's our promise for where we are now. John 17 verse 3 says, to, to have everlasting life means to know God. That means to know Him now, you already have everlasting life. That means you know, we need to live heaven to earth. Now, I don't want to go into that this morning. I just love this, this um, definition of design, that God planned me to show Him to the world. God planned me to show the workings of heaven on this earth. Now, there's a... There's a a quote that Bill Johnson gives that I really love, and I listened to that this week. And, and he said to following, he says, it's funny how people can believe they were designed, but they don't believe in the designer. And it shocked me when I listened to it, and I realized that, yes, people believe that they were made and created, but they don't believe in the creator. And it's a way different sermon, yes, but, but if you're talking about design, that we were designed by a designer who wants to show himself to the world. See, our designer designed us to show him off, to show his purpose for us on this earth. And because God is so creative, he didn't go, only gave us one design. He gave us many designs. There's many attributes, many things that God designed us for. There's certain people that better in certain stuff than others. Thank God for that. So some people are good with admin. Thank you, Jesus. Other people are not good with admin, but they're good with relationships. And, but there's certain specific attributes that we designed for, for His glory, for joy, for things. And, 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 and that's very important to know. Now, this morning, before I give you um, the theme of this morning, I want to go to the Scripture. Hebrews 11, verse 6, one of my favorite Scriptures, it says, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Listen to the Passion Translation. I love this. And without faith living within us, 
it would be impossible to please God, for we come to God in faith, knowing that He is real and that He rewards the faith of those who passionately seek Him. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? It's impossible to please God without faith. Impossible. You see, so many people have asked this question before. So many. Why is it being a Christian? Why is being a Christian or living a pure life or having integrity or being faithful or standing strong through challenges? Why is all these things so tough? Come on. I mean, everybody is nodding their heads because it is tough. It is not a walk in the park always to all do all these things. Why? Why can't the Christian life just be happy-go-lucky, nothing ever go wrong, it's just amazing, everybody would be happy, nobody fights? Why? Now, the answer is very easy. Because God designed us for faith. He designed us to have faith. And that's the topic of my sermon this morning. We are designed to walk in faith. We are designed to have faith in this life. Now, God didn't say, I want you to suffer for you to have faith. No, no. He just designed us to have faith, to step over into the impossible, to do the things that we feel, oh, I can't do that. No, no, God said, no, no, I gave you faith. I designed you for this. And that's what I want to talk about today. Now, when I got, when, when, when I was a student in Potchefstroom, I studied at the Pick, and, and when I was properly, I got saved, and I started for the first time in my life, I, I was properly discipled. Properly, this I mean, like when I didn't mess up, people sat me down and they started teaching me and teaching me how to pray. I didn't know how to read my Bible, they had to take me through the scriptures. And, and I remember our church in Potch's name was Faith City. <laughs> so, I mean, if there's one thing you're going to teach you, that is faith. I mean, you know, Nolan and, and Lillian were there, they were part of that, that teams. And, and it's just incredible how we were drilled into faith. I still remember the scriptures as yesterday Hebrews 11 was one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Without faith it's impossible to please God for, for, I mean, the whole thing. It's impossible to please Him without faith. Romans 10 verse 8. What does it say? The word is in my mouth and in my heart and that's the word of faith we preach. Romans 10 verse 17. Now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Matthew 17 verse 20. If you have faith like a mustard seed, you will say to that mountain, move, and it will be moved. And then it says, nothing will be impossible to you. Man, I, we taught that scriptures, and it became alive in my heart. And I went through the school of faith of how to trust God for the greater, for the bigger. And I realized I was designed for this. I was designed to have faith through the challenges of my life. And I embraced it. I started embracing it. Now, if we look through the, through the book of Hebrews, it's filled with men and women. Man, they were heroes of faith. But they were not just heroes of faith. They had a lifestyle of faith. They had a lifestyle of faith. And that's the most important thing that I want to drop with you this, this morning. I remember in that church, we had fathers of faith that we, that we followed. Man, I remember Pastor Ronnie Barnard, he preached. And he had a, he's got one of the biggest AFM churches in, in, um, in Joburg. And, and he's, he's got a stutter. He literally, but when he starts preaching, he doesn't stutter. And, and the AFM was so, it was like, oh man, where will we send Pastor Ronnie? He's stuttering. He's like, we don't want to have an embarrassing. So they send him to like Grafenet, the smallest AFM. And then within a year, the church explodes 2,000 people and they send him to a smaller town. And then two, two, one year, the church explodes and because he was walking in faith. And when he came in Joburg, I always remember the story 
he trusted God for a big church because he felt that God called him to buy, build a church with 10, for 10,000 people. So he was walking one day in the streets and a man came by and said, listen, are you that pastor? I've got a, a piece of land for you. He gave him a massive piece of land. So he sat with the land and he thought, Lord, okay, how do we start? And, and he realized, well, we need to clean this ground. I mean, we need to, I just need this grass and this stuff. I need to clean it. So he had an old Land Rover and he like, had ketangs, what they fastgemaakt achter die Land Rover with like four sleepers. And he started racing up and down with the four sleepers and the Land Rover with the stuff hopping. It's just crazy. Just having faith for God, doing something. One, one guy drove by the, the land and he thought, what is Pastor Ronnie doing? And he stopped and said, what are you doing? I said, no, no, God says we need to clean this land because we need to be ready when the, 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 the groundwork starts. He said, listen, I've got a moving company. I've got like TLBs, everything. Tomorrow I'll be here, we'll do everything. But if he didn't have the faith and walk in faith and had a lifestyle of faith, he wouldn't see all those miracles. And today they've got a venue with 10,000 people in. They planted more than 1,000 churches all over Africa because of one guy with a stature with faith. And that's just one guy. We had fathers of faith that, that, that we need to learn from. Now, as a family, our goal in our life is to have a lifestyle of faith. We always, we both grew up with families, had a lifestyle of faith. And, 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 and as much as we can, we want to live that lifestyle of faith. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what we face, we will keep on trusting God for greater things. And I want to encourage you this morning to keep on trusting God, no matter what it, how it looks like around you, to trust Him for greater things. For greater things, because that's what we call to. I love the prophet Elisha. I want to talk about a little bit about the prophet Elisha this morning. He was a man of faith. He was so bold in his faith that he asked for twice as much when he took the mantle from Elijah, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. And here you get the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, you take over you the, the appy, you know, and he said, I want double you had. Like, what? Are you serious? I was the greatest prophet. He said, I want double. And he did twice as much miracles than Elijah did. He was a man of faith. Or maybe there's some financial lack in your life at the moment. Maybe you're just overwhelmed by life at the moment. Maybe there's some challenges in your work and in your family at the moment. Maybe some of us are low in our faith at the moment. It's like, I, any, I can't just, it is so tough. I can't make it. I struggle to get up. I, I struggle to go to sleep. My, everything, the pressure is just too much. Then if that's you, then I hope this sermon is for you this morning. I hope that God touches your heart with faith this morning. I want to go, go to um, the scripture, and I want to speak about why we are designed for faith and what faith do in our lives when we realize, man, God made me for faith. Now let's read together in 2 Kings 4 verse 1 to 2. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his, his creditor is coming to take my boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Now, the first thing we see in this passage is that the Bible don't give the name of the poor widow. It doesn't. But if you go through some commentaries and stuff and you go and read, she was actually the wife of the prophet Obadiah, of Obadiah in Afrikaans. 
It's always so funny. He was one of the small prophets in the, in the Old Testament. And the great thing is, if you look at Obadiah, why was his wife that he left in such extreme need when he died? Now, prophets in that, in that time were overseeing a bunch of apprentices, and he had 50 prophets under him. And he literally basically gave everything they had to make sure that they are alive. They kept on feeding him. And uh, he was so pouring out of his life when he passed away, his wife had nothing. She only had two sons. And the problem with that is that was a serious issue. Because in that day, a woman cannot go and work to pay the debt. She can't. Because women cannot do that. And the only thing they could do is take her sons as slaves to pay the debt. I mean, just think of your mom here. You're in such deep debt that uh, someone will come and fetch your kids tomorrow to be slaves. What will go through your heart? I mean, I would, they would have to kill me before they take my children. And I've, I think all of us will be there. And this is where this woman was. And all she could do is, I would go to the prophet and I would tell Elisha, listen, my, my husband were a prophet. Now he's dead. What are you going to do about it? Sound familiar? What are you going to do about it? That's exactly what I probably will do. She lost her husband. She was about to lose her sons. It couldn't get any tougher than this. She was, there was no hope. No hope. Now there's some, something that I try to remember when I look at life's problems. See, we need to learn how to deal with the small problems. Then when we come to the big ones, we know we have faith to deal with it. So sometimes the small problems teaches us how to deal with the big problems later in our lives. See, it's amazing how easy it gets. We, we get all worked up when the GPS don't take us to the right place. It's amazing how we get worked up when the taxi just cuts in front of us. And how can he do it? I'm late for work, but you're not really late. Small things. You get worked up when just one like on your Instagram post are there when you look after an hour and nobody gave you a hashtag, oh, say they're so beautiful. Come on. Small things that we work ourselves up with. You see, there's so many people at the moment that are facing significant issues in this world. We're facing significant stuff that, that we need to deal with every day. Maybe your marriage are hanging on a thread and maybe you're struggling to still trust each other. Maybe you've got a child who's going the wrong way and you don't know how to steer him back. And it's, so it's such a tough thing as a parent to see how they make the wrong decisions. Ever been there? Some of you might be in financial problems or in a situation right now and you don't know how you're going to make it. You don't know the way out and you are just loaded with stress at the moment. Your business is struggling or this or, and I can go on and on. See, if you are in a significant need today, I want to give you three key thoughts. Three key thoughts from the story and I'm trusting God is going to speak to us with this. Number one, when you don't have what you really want, that need, that thing that you're trusting God for, God is what you really need. Think about what do you need now? What are you trusting God for right now? That takes everything, of all of your focus is on that thing. I just need that. I really need that. And if you get there, God is what you really need. See, this woman was in serious need and she expressed her need to the prophet. So what does the prophet do? What does Elisha do in that moment? I'll tell you what he didn't do. He didn't say, man, I'm glad it's not me. <laughs> or he didn't say, you know what, I'll think about you. 
Now, if you run into someone on the street and they go through significant things, what do we usually do? Man, I'm so sorry. Man, I'm thinking about you. Okay. I'll, I'll pray for you. And then you never pray. Please don't do that. Rather do something. Rather stop right there. I always have this. I stop right there instead of saying, I'll pray for you. Let's just pray right now. Lord, I pray that you come through right now. Your word says if we agree together, you will do something. What can I do? Man, do you need some? Let's just buy you a bread or something. Sometimes we need to do something. That's what God has called us to do. Now, that's exactly what the prophet did. He said the following. He said, Elisha replied, how can I help you? How can I help you? See, if you want to make a difference in this world and in other people's lives, we need to make ourselves available for God to use us. There is faith in your life that needs to be expressed, that needs to be... I always said I had a small group with young men. I, I worked with rugby guys for all along, and I had a, a little cell group lesson that I always made, and I always go back. The guys still remember it today. Faith like biceps. You can't go to the gym and do like two bicep curls. It's like, look at my biceps. No, man, it doesn't work like that. It's the same with faith. You have to exercise it. And then later your faith grows. But God wants us to be available for our faith to grow in our lives. See, let's trust God to stand in the gap for people. Maybe all you can do is just hug in that moment. And I've, we've done that so many times. It's like, man, I can't do anything now. But let me just give you a hug and pray for you. That's what God wants to do. I always had a friend of mine, one of our pastors, he's in George now, and he always said, Henny, I taught myself never when I hit a problem, small, big, and no matter how big, I never ask why. I never ask why. I always ask what. Remember that, Pierre? I always ask what. If you ask why, Lord, why do you do this? Lord, why, why, why? Rather ask, okay, Lord, what do you want to do through this? Lord, what do you want me to do? See, it immediately puts you in that position of saying, Lord, I'm ready. I've got faith. Let's go. If you why, you are in, in moan zone. <laughs> You're in the moan zone. Don't go there. Go to, Lord, what can I do? What can I do? Elisha said the following. He said, what do you have in your house? What can I do for you? So tell me, what do you have in your house? See, this is amazing because Elisha didn't say, man, I'm the great prophet, Elijah, and I will do the miracle. Just stand aside. Just stand. look at me. No, he didn't do that. Yes, he didn't do that. What did he do? He changed her focus from him, Elisha, to what God wanted to do through her. Isn't that amazing? It's such a man of God syndrome, and, and I know I, I love church, and I love all guys who are in ministry, and I, I honor everyone but there's such a thing of like, I go into man of God syndrome, I will pray for everyone. We don't believe that. We believe that God has called everyone to pray for everyone, to minister to everyone. And if you've been here for a while, you know that by now that um, <laughs> I'll pray for anyone, but I rather want you to pray for me. Because God has given you as much as anyone else. And that's what Elisha did. He wanted to shift her focus on the prophet mighty Elijah to say, listen, no, no, let's see, what do you have? What does God want to do through your life right now? So look at his reply. The servant said, well, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I've got nothing at all. Isn't it interesting when we're going through tough challenges in life, 
<laughs> Come on. We always look at what we don't have. Oh, man, I've got nothing. We have nothing. You miss all the things that you do have, but you've got nothing. See, when you're stressed and depressed and, and you're just consumed with all these things, we don't have. I don't have enough money, so I'll never be happy. Or I don't have a spouse, I'll never have a meaningful life. Come on. And some people say, my house isn't nice, to have, isn't nice enough to have a connect group because I know that only the Spirit of God only moves on brown leather couches. Or I know some people, maybe you know some of them too, I've, I grew up with four of them, when they open their closets, it's like, I've got nothing to wear. And then you can wear a whole tea party with all of that clothes in that closet. <laughs> I'm just pulling your legs. It's amazing, it's amazing when you're in need that your focus is on what you don't have. Have you seen that? Our focus is on what we don't have, on what that guy has that I really want. That's exactly where the widow was. And all she could see was a lack. That, that I don't have. Now, it brings me to, to the, the second point I want to make this morning. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Just start working with what God has given you already. What has God given you? If you look at your need, go and look what God has given you already that you can do something with. Let's see what she says. Your servant has nothing here at all, she said, except, except a small jar of olive oil. Oh, I thought you've got nothing. Oh, you have something. Oh, fantastic. God can do something with that. Now, in that time, olive oil was not just something we cook with. It was a very valuable thing to have. They could cook with it. They can burn lamps with it. They, they moisturized with it. Ladies, there was no clicks. They couldn't go to clicks. Okay, they had to moisturize. They literally, it kept iron from rusting. It, it, they kept their leather soft. It was amazing. And they, they actually used it for offering and to anoint. It was so precious. It was a precious thing to have. And it sold for a lot of money. It was one of those precious things. Now, the widow didn't have a lot, but she had a little. How many of us have a little, just a little of something, just a little that God can do something with? See, God has a history in using little things. He does. He uses little things to do great things with because He designed us for faith. Do you remember? He used the staff to part a Red Sea. He used five blows and fishes to feed thousands. He did. God do amazing things. He used a donkey to speak to a guy and save his life. Small things. So one of the greatest strategies of the enemy, do you know what it is? It's to get your focus off of what you don't have. Or get your focus on what you don't have. Oh, you remember you don't have this, so you can't be significant. You don't have this, so how are you going to do this? He gets your focus off of those things then he knows he, he's, he's nullified the faith in your life. That's his strategy. Instead of looking in our house and asking the question, Lord, what can I do with what I have? 
What do you want to do with what I already have in my life? I remember I was, I was, um, I was in ministry in Poch, and um, we, we, I started out as a sport minister. I was a professional runner for about 12, 12 15 years, well, 12 years. Um, traveled all over, and when I went into ministry, we started a ministry called Champions for Christ, and we reached out to all the super rugby guys, and it was amazing. And then um, I said, listen, I want the young men. Give me the, the varsity cup. I'll go in, and we started ministering to them. And, and I remember I met Matt Pratt for the one day, and I said, listen, he wants, us, wants me to come into the team and just help. And I've got, I had a, a bunch of his uh, first-team players in my cell group, and, and the first day I was sitting there, and he said, hey, guys, this is Henny. He's our sports psychologist. And I said, whoa. I'm not a sports psychologist. I, I did my master's degree in sports psychology and, and human movement, but I wasn't a sports psychologist. You can't call me that. And he said, and he just, it was too late. So he said, Henny will be here tomorrow, um, and then uh, you can come and you can speak to him if you want to. And I pitched up there that next morning, uh, the afternoon, and I went to his office, and he's a great friend of mine today. He's just a phenomenal guy. I walked up and he said, Henny, um, I forgot to ask you yesterday, um, I know you guys start in 15 minutes, but can you do a half an hour session with the guys quickly? Sports psychology session. <laughs> Let me be, I mean, I've been praying to get into the sport teams. Here's my opportunity. What am I going to do? Am I going to say, no, sorry, man, I, can't, I haven't prepped. Sorry. And before I realized the faith in me knocked in, I said, yeah, sure, man, sure, wait. So you can walk over, the guys are in the team room already across the field. I was like, Jesus, I need to pray now. And I walked over, and I was praying. And it's like, Lord, what am I going to do? And it was literally from this end of the rugby field to that end, I was praying, and I said, Lord, if you don't help now, I'm not going to have an open door here. And as I was walking across that rugby field, God showed me a paper jet. And I thought, Lord, serious? This is like, this is senior guys. This is, these guys are contracted players. In two years, they're going to play for the Blue Bulls, the Sharks. I can't play paper jet with them. And within 10 steps, God gave me a team building exercise that till today has been used in major teams. In 10 steps, we played with paper jets. And we, I spoke about unity. And I spoke about how powerful it is when you are not an individual, but part of a team. And in that moment, God showed me that, man, just do what you have. What do you have can change someone's life. Don't wait for to be a doctorate in whatever. What do you have right now? I've got a friend. He, he was working for a mine. He was doing all odd jobs. And said, listen, we've got an opening for an engineer. Nolan, you will know all the, that, that world. And they said, do you want to apply? You look like a quiet. He's like, no, I'm not. And he wanted to say, I'm not qualified. And he said, let me look at the, C, the, the, the job description. And he said, yeah, I'll take it. And he went back home and he prayed that night. I said, Lord, I need a salary increase. This is like double. Can you train me how to be an engineer? I mean, that's ridiculous. Within a week, he was doing engineering projects that people with four years, I mean, that's, impo that's an impossibility. And he worked for 20 years as an engineer at that mine. In one week, God educated him because he was willing enough to put his faith out and said, Lord, yes, I'm willing. So here's the profound truth in this. All God needs to do miracles in our lives, we already have. <laughs> it's basic, but it is true. All God, wants, all God wants to do in your life, you already have. And we need, I remember when, when I went, when I, just before I became a, a, a connect group leader in my student church, 
I was in this connect group and I was sitting and a lot of students and my cell leader moved and he came to me after one because I said, listen, I'm moving, you're taking over the connect group. I said, no, 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 it's no way, I'm not spiritual enough. <laughs> I remember. He said, no, no, you'll be fine. And before I can say no, he just turned around and left. And I was like, wait. <laughs> and I went home and said, oh, I'm just not going to go to cell group next week. <laughs> I'm just going to boycott you, boycott me. And, uh, and as I got myself, I think it was the Holy Spirit, I forgot about that moment. I just like literally cut it out of my brain and I went to group. The next week I realized we're sitting and waiting for Derek and he's not coming. And there's a phone a message on my phone saying, Henny, just want to check in if you're okay with the group today. Good luck praying for you. And I was like, oh, Jesus, help me. Here we go. And I started leading cell group and I realized God has given me something to lead. Am I willing? Am I willing? Am I willing to do this? See, instead of looking in our house and asking a question, we need to, Lord, how much faith have you given me? See, God who created the earth out of nothing can also create something great out of little. He can. What do we have in our hand? Number three, offer to God what you have and trust Him to give you what you need. Just offer Him. Lord, this is what I have. This is what I have. What can you do with this, Father? 2 Kings 4. Let's go on with the story. Let's see what happens. Verse 3 to 4. It says, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. We all know the story so well. He said, don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour the oil into the jars. And as each one is filled, put it to one side. So, she left him and shut the door behind her and the sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept on pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and she said, and, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay, pay your debt. You and your sons can live on what is left. Powerful story. Powerful story. When she offered the little she had, God gave her the everything she needed. Isn't that amazing? Elijah could have done that. Go and fetch all the oil, all the jars you have. And then he, would, he could have poured the oil, but he wanted God to do a miracle through the woman so that she can see, man, God want to use me. There is something in me. I'm designed to have this moment of faith in my life. I need this in my life. See, as long as we, as long as there, there was empty jars, the oil kept flowing. Very important. See, this was a crazy request to ask her to empty out everything she had and trust God to provide everything she needed. Crazy. But this is how amazing our God is. When we show our faith, He shows us what we are designed for. Isn't that amazing? I remember when I was a young campus minister, I was busy raising support and, and, and uh, I trusted God for a car. Have you ever been there? Like, if you, I mean, I remember <laughs> my dad couldn't afford to buy me a car when I was a young man. And, and I know and I, I always realized I never, never blamed him for it. I know where we were as a family. And, but when I went into ministry, I was done running and, and I needed a car. And I was walking to church and I was walking there, but I had a broken down I had a mountain bike, not a broken one, but it was a bike. I could use it, and, 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 uh, and that was my transport. 
And I was praying one day, I said, Lord, when are you giving me a car, man? I'm working for you, I'm doing all this for you, when are you providing a car for me? And the Lord said to me one day, say, why don't you give your bike away? You've got a bike, don't you? I said, yes, Lord, but how am I then going to go anywhere? And that's what God said, give your bike away. And immediately I said, well, okay, then I need to start looking for someone with a need. So I started looking and I started listening, who's, who's got a need? And one of my friends, one of the, the sons, I always call it a son, a guy from first year who was in my connect group, he's now running a church plant in the Netherlands. He got saved in my connect group. He got, I mean, it's just amazing. And he came two days after that and said, Lenny, I'm doing my final year this year. My mom is moving away. Man, I need transport. Will you pray with me for a bike? He said, you know, no, I don't have to pray. I'll give you one. And in that moment I gave him, he's, I was like, because he was trusting God. I gave him that bike and I walked away and said, Lord, no, what now? What now? Nothing. A week went by, nothing. Two weeks went by, nothing. I was walking to church over a long bridge, long. I was sweating and coming to church and I was mad at God. It's like, Lord, why are you doing this to me? And then one morning my uncle here from Somerset West called me and said, Henny, are you still looking for a car? I said, yes. He said, well, I've got this Toyota Corolla here. It's an old one, little box-shaped ones. Um, and I thought he wanted to sell it to me. I said, yeah, you know, I actually want a car who's reliable, who can go far. And I said, no, no, I don't want to sell it. I'll give it to you. I'm busy getting it serviced. When can you fly? He bought my plane ticket. He flew me down. He paid like 10 grand for the car. He paid all my petrol money back. Um, that's why I got that. Uh, that's Roy Villy. We dubbed it Roy Villy. I, date, I caught it. My, I dated my wife with that car. And God gave me a car out of nothing, but I had something. She fell in love with the man in the red car. <laughs> but see, if I didn't come to a place where I said, Lord, this is what I have, what can you do with it? I'm not saying go and sell and give everything away. I'm just giving it as an illustration. This is where God knew I had to part of what I was holding on to. See, this woman was holding on to the last little bit to use it and die. And he said, no, no, rather do this. So when I stopped waiting for what I wanted and gave what I had, God blessed me what I needed with. He blessed me with what I needed. See, Elijah said, get some jars. He didn't say the color of the jar. He didn't say the shape or the size. He just said, get some jars. The only requirement was they needed to be empty. And since that day, God, uh, since, since that day when God showed me this principle, we started building the value into our lives. We were looking for needs. We were looking for empty jars. If we've got a need, we're looking for an empty jar with that need. I remember when I was trusting God for a car, what I also did, I was looking for friends who needed petrol money. I was like, man, are you doing petrol today? Yes, yes, a 20. So why? No, no, that's stupid. Why a 20? No, just, I'm just sewing into my car. I'm just filling the jar with some oil. You see, it's a spiritual principle. If you're trusting God for, like, we're trusting God for a young campus minister, we are sowing into some people's lives. That is in ministry. That is young people. Why? Because we believe in seed and we believe in harvests. We're looking for that seed. We're looking for that empty jars where God can do so much more. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. 
I'll ending with this. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. This treasure in jars of clay. The treasure is God. The jars of clay is us. How much of God do you want to give to others? How much? See, God is looking for a few empty jars. He's looking for empty jars of clay that says, Lord, when I empty myself, when I empty myself of myself, of my pride, of my greed, of my own agendas, and I come to you em totally empty, you can fill me with more of you. You can fill me with more faith so that I can see what I was designed to be. Isn't that amazing? You see, all God needs is our faith. All he needed for that widow was her faith. The prophet could have done everything. God said, I've designed you for this. I'm going to show you what I can do through your life. See, all God needs is our faith. No matter what you face today, no matter what you're going through, where's your faith? See, our faith doesn't, our, our needs doesn't move God's hand. You know that. It's our faith that does. God knows your need. He knows your need. He's waiting for your faith. See, He's enough and sufficient in, in every single way. And when we are weak, He is our strength. You know the scripture? When we are hurting, He's our comforter. When we are lost, He's our guide. And when we are unstable in life, He is the rock of our salvation. That's what the scripture says. He is our everything. See, he designed us to be filled and then to fill others. He designed you to be filled and then to fill others. What are you doing about it? Do you remember the first sermon of the month, of the year? God gave us seeds. Are you letting God's light shining on the seeds? Then the seed will grow. This oil will flow into others' lives. See, we were designed to show the workings of heaven here on earth. God wants to get something out of your life. That small little that you have, He wants to do something great. Maybe you're sitting on a dream, and you've been burying that dream maybe. You said, Lord, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. God says, I just need a little bit. I just need a little bit. Are you willing? Are you willing? When you stand with me, I want to pray with us. <laughs> so, Father, we thank you this morning. Sure, won't you just put your hand in your heart this morning? Lord, I pray for, for us this morning. No matter where we are at in our lives, that you will show us the little that we have. Father, we, that, that we don't just will focus on our need and what we don't have and, and play to the strategy of the enemy, but that we will look what you've given us in our hands. And Father, that we will see mighty things in our lives this year. Lord, I pray that you will build that muscle of faith in our lives. That we realize that we were designed to do great things. That we were designed to see miracles in our lives. We were designed to look at the problems and know that you've already got to answer in us. So Father, I pray this morning that... That you will bring us down from the emotions of the need and the turmoil and the stress and that you will minister to our hearts this morning.
And Lord, I pray this morning that no matter what we face, that, that your hand will be upon that right now. If you are here this morning and you feel that, man, I'm just going through some stuff. Nobody knows about it, but I'm just going through some stuff. Just put your hand on your heart. Just like a sign of, like, Lord, this is me. I need you. I need something in my life for you to do. Lord, I've got a little bit, but I know you can do much. You can do so much, Father. Lord, I pray that you, you build their faith this week. That you stir their faith as they, they're listening to worship, as they read the word, Father. That you stir something in their lives this week that they will not look at the lack, but they will see the greatness. Father, we thank you for that this day. I really feel that there's some people here today that you feel stuck in some places. You feel stuck in your job. You feel stuck in things. And you feel that there's so much greater for you, but you don't know how. I just feel that God says, when you take the little bit you have in your hand, it might seem insignificant to you. I see significance in it. I see something in it. Are you willing to give it? Are you willing to start pouring that oil? Are you willing to trust me radically with this crazy faith that people say, but are you willing? Are you willing to see more of me in your life? Lord, I pray that you touch their hearts this week, that you will show them the more. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.